we can't think of a single person in our lives who is exactly like us you know there is nobody who will be the same right there will be at least one point of differentiation so diversity is really a given and in order to leverage the diversity which is already a given uh, inclusion and equity are the pictures that come in picture to be able to actually leverage the diversity you know the strong sense of belongingness which comes from inclusion and the fact that you know we have to remove barriers for people's participation uh, is equity uh so uh, to me these are the two things that need to happen for diversity to be leveraged which already exists in the room today's heroes journey webinar uh, we have our lovely host april as always uh, who's here and she's brought in a wonderful guest who we hope to learn a lot from today uh, our guest today is uh, deepa agarwal she is an author a dei and a mental health consultant uh, avril uh, i welcome you and deepa to the session today and request you to take over and then let's get started thank you so much kiva and thank you to everybody who's tuning in from all over the world i can see somebody from tennessee from pune from germany from bangalore lots of people thank you so much for tuning in always lovely to have such an eclectic audience it keeps growing as the episodes have uh, you know uh, pushed forward our audience is going hi martin from london oh my dear friend martin <laughs> he's a fellow coach who i did my pcc training with always a pleasure and today i have somebody who i consider a friend she is absolutely a stellar individual she knows her stuff like kiva introduced and like you would have read in the email and the linkedin communication she has an eclectic background having been in dei for more than 20 years she's on different panels she's the head of different forums the economic with the women's economic forum she's an author and recently she just completed a 200 hours of her yoga teacher's training and uh, she's she's a friend a dharma companion and was introduced by a common friend of us from chennai and i thought she would be absolutely perfect for our coaching community uh, because i wanted to present a person who actually has deep information and who's in the trenches so to speak when it comes to dei so without further delay I would like to now uh, ask Deepa my first question. So welcome Deepa, welcome to uh, this Kocharya platform where uh, the podcast I host is called The Hero's Journey and uh, it's wonderful uh, to have you here. We've been trying to do this for thank the past few months. So thank you for obliging us. So Deepa I want to ask you something about yourself that was not known to us that did not go out in the email. okay <laughs> okay oh that's interesting uh yeah thank you everyone uh, for this really kind uh, you know introduction and kiva you too and for a uh, inviting me it's uh, it's really going to be a very interesting conversation to have with all of you and thank you all for joining in too um what uh, hasn't already been said in the email probably is that i'm sort of a nomad Uh, at this point in life where i have actually uh, sort of packed up my house completely and i am on this quest and this 
journey of travel for this entire year. So I started a couple of months ago. I've already done one month in Rishikesh, one month in Dehradun. And this is my next stint, which is uh, going to be Chennai next month. So every month, 12 months, 12 cities is my uh, aim. Yeah, that's something that not many people know. Wow. Wow. That's, I would love to live like that. I'm sure a lot of people, I can see a lot of hearts going up and, you know, a lot of support for you. I mean, that requires uh, guts and it also is showing us a bit of your bohemian side yeah. that you like to travel and like to explore. And I think it's also showing us uh, curiosity in you, curiosity to grow, curiosity as to what, what's out there, what's, what you can learn, what's new. Um, so my second question to you now is, what does DEI mean to you both professionally and personally? Ah, okay, that's interesting. Uh, you know, to be honest, uh, I don't think I can distinguish DEI both from the professional and the personal perspective. Um, I think for me, it, the line is too blurred, you know, uh, because uh, uh, A, I have been a recipient of uh, a, a leader who was extremely inclusive and, uh, you know, kind of made me feel a very strong sense of belonging in spite of me being from a minority group. And I've also experienced extensive biases because of my singlehood and uh, being denied job opportunities because I was told that, you know, anyway, you're going to get married someday. So, you know, we will not want to kind of give you a job right now, you know, so I've been a recipient of both of these. So for me, it's both professional. Uh, it's very personal in that sense, right? And um, uh, professionally, uh, you know, I think DEI is a given uh, in reality, you know, because if you really think about it, we can't think of a single person in our lives who is exactly like us. You know, there is nobody who will be the same, right? There will be at least one point of differentiation. So diversity is really a given. And in order to leverage the diversity, which is already a given, uh, inclusion and equity are the pictures that come in picture to be able to actually leverage the diversity. You know, the strong sense of belongingness, which comes from inclusion. And the fact that, you know, we have to remove barriers for people's participation uh, is equity. Uh, so uh, to me, these are the two things that need to happen for diversity to be leveraged, which already exists in the room. You know, yeah. So for me, I don't think I can really distinguish it uh, professionally and personally. Uh, it's it's equally both to me. Okay. Thank you for explaining that so well. I just have a question which just popped into my mind. So I'm just going to ask it to you. A lot of people cannot distinguish between equity and equality. Yeah. Would you like to speak to that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, uh, there is this confusion for sure, you know, about the difference between equity and equality. And uh, equality is about, uh, you know, actually making things equal, you know, the same, right? But equity is, is about ensuring that we are removing barriers to someone's participation, you know? Um, so, for example, if there are two people who are there in, in an organization, right, equality determines that, you know, we kind of give them both equal opportunities. Right. But in reality, they may actually have different requirements for them to succeed in the workplace. So equity is about removing that barrier that stops one person from performing and, uh, you know, offering resources that can help this person come up and level the playing field. So equality and equity are definitely two terms which are very confusing and they're often used interchangeably. Um, and we need to distinguish uh, the two. Uh, and since you asked about it, I also want to highlight, uh, you know, this uh, this thing about 
uh, sameness. You know, when we when we talk about equal, we try to kind of negate the diversity that exists. You know, we we sometimes will say, "I don't see gender. I don't see age." You know, for me, everything is the same. But in in reality, it can never be the same. You know, so we need to be very clear that we cannot use sameness and equality in the same lens as equity because they all require different things to be done. That was so well explained, uh, Deepa. And what you said is right. I mean. People, they, they confuse sameness also with diversity, where they say, oh, but I'm not seeing the gender. I'm, I'm kind of above that. But then they don't realize that diversity is a big part of the picture also. Yeah, and it, and it, it, it probably requires a different treatment. And somebody like an expert like you can kind of uh, put these nuances into perspective when you go into a corporate and when you have sessions with people. Yeah. Um, uh, Kiva, I just want, wanted to know whether you want to put up a poll, uh, dear. You want to put up a poll right now? Yeah, so there's a poll here and uh, please please feel free to go in and just check out and let us know what, we just wanna see what the percentage is on this poll, uh, just to give us an idea about where you're at. Um, okay, so uh, Kiva, I just needed to know from you whether we have to wait for the answers to come in or can I ask Deepa my next question because I just wanna be, don't wanna waste time. Yeah, so I think as people are sharing, it'll be nice if I share the screen so we could also see the responses. Absolutely, great. So can you share the screen when you're ready? And then thank you Certainly. so much. Okay. I feel like I should play some music now. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> like awkward silence. Wow. That's good. Yeah, that's actually good. Yeah. It's like double. Wow. Do you want to put up uh do you want to put up another poll, Kiva, or should I ask uh, my next question? Oh, it's wow. Deepa, how are you feeling about this? Happy? I'm feeling, yeah, very good, actually. You know, uh, if you've experienced inclusion in the workplace, then, you know, you are the one who will actually be able to create it for someone else also. You know, and... That's a great way of looking at it. That's a, yeah. I think that's so important for leaders, don't you think, Deepa? Yeah, yeah absolutely, you know, because if, if I have safety and if I have feelings of inclusion, you know, then I'm naturally going to do that for someone else too because I'm in a secure space, I'm in a safe space. You know, and but if I don't experience it, then chances are that I will not be as open-minded because uh, I don't know how to a lot of the times. Again, there's another question coming up for me. I mean, uh, sorry for the sub-questions, but you're, you're bringing up a lot of valid points. And I just want to speak to some things that probably uh, other people may have issues with also. Do you think that leaders who have experienced inclusion and who have experienced, you know, you, who are on the right side of the EI, uh, do you think some of those leaders uh, sometimes are ignorant to people feeling on the wrong side of DEI? Is it because of ignorance or is it because of apathy? Uh, let me understand this question. You're saying if I've experienced as a leader, if one has experienced inclusion and they've been on the wrong side, are they sometimes blind to people or on the wrong side of it? Yeah. So if they have experienced inclusion, so they've, 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 had, a good, they've had a good run, they've had a good right. ride, they've, right. they've experienced it like how uh, on our poll, like yeah. everybody's feeling safe and inclusive. So if I've been feeling safe and inclusive as a leader, uh, as a person, and I grow to be a leader in leadership, I sometimes notice that 
especially uh, with women, uh, you know, I, I've sometimes noticed that they are not extending that to their uh, subordinates or to their teams. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is it a lack of apathy or is it a lack of ignorance or they're just blind to it? It could actually be a combination of different things. You okay. know, it's, it could be a combination of all of these things. Sometimes you're just blind to it, you know, because uh, it's like privilege, right? If you have yeah. it, you don't realize that others don't have it you know yeah, and, and uh, you know so it could be just that you know they are quite uh, unaware that these behaviors are happening to someone else because they are not experiencing it i don't know someone else is experiencing it differently right that could be one the other also could be that uh, you know especially when it comes to uh, you know uh, this entire piece around um, you know uh, especially uh, leadership positions right there is also the fear that you know if there are more people like me then you know i kind of lose that space uh, you know, which could also happen, you know, so this is also one of the reasons, insecurities, yes, can creep in, right, uh, but, uh, but more often than not, I would imagine it is, it is being blind to, uh, to uh, it happening to someone else. Okay, uh, thank you, Deepa, for answering that. So I'd just like to ask you, what are some of the key challenges that you face in organizations when trying to create a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workspace? Uh, okay, challenges actually, frankly, there are so many, uh, you know, uh, but one of the biggest challenges I find is, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times the leadership teams, the top leadership team will be having very strong intent to create inclusivity, and to especially, you know, sort of uh, uh, create uh, increased representation, and they'll put targets in place, right. And uh, the the owners of the target accomplishment then lies in the middle managers, right? But the middle managers right now do not have the equipped, uh, they're not equipped with the right skills, right? They do not have the time and the bandwidth to spend on understanding inclusivity because business outcomes are taking, you know, precedence, right? So that can be a lot of resistance to change from the middle managers. One of the biggest challenges that we face is this, you know, while the top management is bought in, the DI leads are bought in, the HR is bought in, the team that is actually going to translate it right is not equipped or even aware about the why right they are told do this they are given the how but the how is only going to make sense to me if i know the why you know the why is not often explained or internalized by the middle managers so the resistance to change is very high you know that is one of the biggest challenges i experience on a daily basis when we work with corporates when we work with organizations across sectors um, you know, and we do a lot of work with the middle managers, calling it the intentionally inclusive program. A lot of time we spend in only educating on the why, because once you know the why, you can internalize it, and then it doesn't become like a task or a project that you have to take up. You know, okay. so that is one aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to speak to? Uh, yeah, challenges. Uh, you know, and and of course, you know, different diversity strands will present different challenges. Uh, you know, for gender, for example, today. A lot of organizations are looking at gender, uh, increasing representation targets. But uh, the, the issue is that we don't have enough CVs going around uh, right now because uh, uh, the pipeline hasn't been built. The pipeline is getting built now, yeah. right? But if I have a target of, say, 20% in the next one year and I'm only at 5%, where do I get that 20% from, right? Mm -hmm. So those CVs are not available. That's one of the other challenges for the gender diversity. And of course, infrastructural changes, in the plants and manufacturing organizations because they have to rework a, a lot of the plant setup, right? Okay. So there is cost. So that is one aspect. 
when it comes to lgbtq plus it is a lot to do with mindsets and prejudices yes. it's 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 a lack of understanding of the community you know uh, is the challenge that we experience and then of course when it comes to persons with disabilities it's a lot of infrastructural changes that are required accessibility has to be created uh, yes. you know so different diversity strands present different challenges which have to be focused and dealt with individually and specifically understood wow that i mean i can see that there's a lot that you have to deal with uh, in this in this entire area there's a question come in which i think uh, could be important it says uh, could it be that leaders that believe that they are inclusive are unconsciously excluding team members who are having a different experience i think you answer that already uh, they're unconscious they're not aware you said right so they are unconsciously excluding people so i think that question came from Theely, thank you so much. So we're ready for our next poll. So if you guys can just click on the next poll, does your workplace respect and take into account opinions of all identities in decision-making? So if you can answer that poll, we can share the screen. Thank you, Kiva. Hmm. I think everybody on this group is very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> or or they have great employers or both. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, it's amazing. I, I think Deepa is the happiest. <laughs> okay, it's building up slowly. Let's I hope it doesn't build up. Oh my God. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay, maybe I spoke too soon, Deepa. <laughs> okay, Deepa. Oh, so there is an equal oh, thing here also. Deepa, okay, now we really good. need some uh, now we really need some guidance from you. If you if if you were to speak to these, oh my God, if you were to speak to this um, right now, the poll, which is tilting not so much in people's favor, what is the one takeaway you would give them? Uh, okay. See, a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, we, we kind of treat inclusion as somebody who does something for me. You know, uh, 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 a lot of times it seems like the organization has to do something and it seems like, you know, the leaders have to do something. Right. A lot of yeah. times I find that I individually also have options available to me, right, to create awareness, to create, uh, you know, uh, uh, education, to start some interventions and projects within the organization. But I do not take it because I kind of sometimes have fear. Sometimes yeah. I may feel like it will get rejected. Right. So I do not make that attempt. Right. Uh, and we always say that inclusion is always a two way street. Right. I give i get mm -hmm. it is never a one-way street I, I cannot only be the recipient of it i have to also give and be including of someone you know for me to be able to take this on so that's one the second is that if you're not experiencing personally right that your identity is being respected then we need to go out and start looking to build allies for ourselves in the system right, who can understand us, who, who, who agree with us and start kind of help using them to educate other people who do not understand my identity strand. You know, so I will have like a friend, right, in the organization. So uh, two friends, three friends. I may have some people in my inner circle in the organization. Yeah. So I kind of enroll them to become allies for my identity strand and get them to do a bit of the work start ERG groups. Yeah. So these are some options which are available. Often we don't take them because of fears. Yes. 
Uh, are you there? Uh, Hello. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here, uh, Abdul. Yeah, Deepa, I'm trying to. Okay. I lost you. Yeah, can you hear uh, me now? I'm here, Deepa. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I Hello? can. I can hear you, Abdul. It's it there's a there's a time lag on lag. the yeah there's a time lag yeah but now I think it's worked out worked now out. it's fine yes now it's fine yeah okay thank you for answering uh, that Deepa um, let me ask you my question um, can you share an example of a time when you worked in organization successfully to create a more inclusive workspace and what approach did you use okay uh yeah so you know there are uh, many uh, case studies uh, which uh, which are there uh, you know uh, which kind of uh, which we've done we work with right in organizations uh see the approach that we take i'll first talk about the approach because the approach will tell us how we kind of work across the organization's uh, you know dna Right, so our uh, our uh, you know endeavor really is to create inclusivity and embed inclusivity uh, as a mindset into the organization's culture, right? And this happens across four different levels. We work at the organization level, which is where the policies happen, which is where uh, you know your uh, processes are made inclusive, right? So that's at the organization level. But in reality, you no, know, whatever the organization may do. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of policies, may have the greatest of the great policies, but my inclusion is felt with the people I work with on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, for me, that organization is inclusive, even if the policies are not the best. If my team is inclusive, then for me, that's an inclusive organization. You know, so we need to work across the spectrum. So we do work on the policies because only through policies can we ensure that certain identity groups are not remaining at a disadvantage, right? So that's where we create equity, remove barriers to participation. Then we work at the team level and the manager level, where we educate managers and team leaders on what is it that they can do to demonstrate inclusivity. We also address their dilemmas and conclusions because that is very important to make it practical for managers. You know, uh, it's not enough to just say, uh, you know, this is a skill of inclusivity and this is what you need to do because they have a lot of uh, confusions you know about it so we help clarify their confusions and dilemmas then we work at the individual level which we do through communication campaigns because it's not possible to conduct workshops for an entire organization of 10000 plus people who are across the globe right so how do you target them how do you ensure that the message is reaching them we use communication campaigns as a as a mode to educate employees across the organization through creatives through emailers through interactive videos right and then the level which is external facing, where we are also partnering with organizations who are outside, with community groups outside, to be able to enable them through skill building uh, you know, work. So we work across all the four levels because then you're taking a holistic approach. And this approach has really worked for us with our clients. And uh, you know, it is, it's a long-drawn process. It's of course not an overnight thing, yeah. but it, kind of will start showing you the results after a year, year and a half, where then people's narrative is completely changing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So again, I can see that it's, you're using a lot of different things to come to kind of get this across to people. You're using communication, you're using, uh, you know, uh, changing the mindset of people, 
you're also using key people and you're talking more about the reality you're not talking about just the policies of the company but what's actually happening at ground level yeah so i'm just keen to understand from you as a person what do you think the mindset or should be to have diversity equi equity and inclusion what should just just in a, in a brief nutshell what should be the mindset of a person at any level yeah so you know uh, uh, the mindset should be that inclusivity benefits me directly you know what's in it for me uh, because unless i get the what's in it for me i will not know why i should do something right and when i kind of understand that i have been the recipient of inclusivity and inclusive behaviors then it kind of makes it so much easier to demonstrate it to someone else okay right, right. So, so how do we do this we really help yeah. we kind of you know do this comparison between excluding behavior and an inclusive behavior and the same situation if you're inclusive what is the benefit you get from it how is it that your team is interacting how is it that it is changing your dynamics with the team you know when you start highlighting these things then you're kind of making the person engaged in this conversation uh i think uh, avril is facing a uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so i think till avril is back it would be lovely to actually just have a look at the responses that have come up for yeah. our next poll yeah uh, I think okay. I can hear you guys fine, but sometimes I'm losing Deepa for some reason. I don't know. Can can you hear? Can you guys hear me? Oh, we can, uh, Avril. But we lost you uh, a little while back. Oh, okay. I think the internet is playing hokey with me today. But it seems yes. like I have a full connection. Okay, let's let's uh, let's have a look at the poll. Sure, sure. So for uh, other participants, if you could just take a minute to also share with us examples of DEI breaches that you have observed, heard about, or experienced. I can see four right now. Yeah, even I can see four right now. Language barriers, promotion, derogatory treatment, and gender bias. Age discrimination, okay. So I just heard from Deepa that she's also been uh, at the at the receiving end of the of the bias as you're not married, so we don't know if we can employ you now. So I don't know what what kind of bias would that be, Deepa? Ah, <laughs> uh, difficult to term it really. I would say yeah, it's difficult to bias. term it. Like, like <laughs> this one is a very common one, and interestingly, uh, it is still being one of the common things that you know women do get asked during interviews. Or even, or even pregnancy, right? Yeah, even pregnancy. Are you planning yeah. to get pregnant? Correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all of that. I've right? heard that from a lot of women. Yeah, you're, yeah, that's right. And interestingly, I also started hearing women say that, you know, uh, uh, age discrimination is something I'm seeing here, right? That women yes. who are in the 40s and plus 40s, uh, you know, age bracket, yeah. they have been applying and, you know, uh, a couple of women have been told that, oh, you know, we, we really don't want to hire somebody who is uh, uh, menopausal. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's the, that was the next thing I was going to. Uh, so, yeah. so whatever age you are in, 
uh, you know, you're getting it from every side. <laughs> I swear, really. It doesn't matter what age you are now. Yeah, you're young, you're going to get married. You're married, oh, you're going to have a child. Oh, right. then you are going to be menopausal, you know. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we are making light of it now, but this is like something that really requires a mind shift. It does, it really does. I mean, you really have to examine like what, what is happening here? Like, why am I thinking like this? Because these are such age old, you know, archaic kind of views. They don't even, I mean, how can you judge a person based on whether they are going to have a child or not, or based on whether she's 20 or 40? I mean, I think much more goes into it than just these, you know, these surface level, uh, you know, and I think most of it is unconscious. It is. It definitely is unconscious. See, we also cannot take away the conditioning of the society from here. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because because uh, especially in India, you know, uh, marriageable age is a big deal, right? Uh, yeah. And and uh, and uh, you know, culturally, societally, there is pressure for both men and women to get married within a certain yes. age. And it does happen that when women get married, you know, their husbands' careers sort of determine where they may relocate, not relocate, and things like yes. that. It continues to happen, right? So it is part and it's part of the conditioning that we have come with. And we may have seen this in our families, right? So it's very difficult to distinguish what I see in my family as true uh, because the women in my family may be expected to do it and they're doing it. Therefore, I think that women who are coming at the workplace would be the same. Sometimes it's very difficult to distinguish and differentiate between the two. So that is also one of the reasons. It is not always coming from the intent of bias. It's coming also from conditioning and what I see to be true, you know? So, yeah. So, Vanita is saying, no, it's not unconscious. It's part of HR culture. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I uh, uh, don't think I can fully agree to that. Uh, it, it may not be part of the HR culture. It may have been at some point, uh, you know, that these questions may have been sounding relevant maybe 15 years ago. So they were allowed to be asked because at that point they may have sounded relevant, right? Uh, but with timing, with times that change, we need to change that thinking also. So sometimes you're also carrying forward a legacy of what, uh, you know, our, uh, the older generation may have done at the workplaces. So that legacy gets forwarded without us thinking that this legacy no longer holds true. Exactly. You know? yeah. So that could also be a very, very big reason for us to be asking these questions, right? And uh, Absolutely. I, 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 I agree with you there. I mean, and sometimes people don't want to question it also, right? I mean, as an HR leader, sometimes, I mean, if you are asking these questions, maybe you really need to take a step back and ask yourself, is this really serving the greater purpose? Exactly, exactly. Am I just doing it because my predecessors did it? Correct, right? exactly, exactly. There are a lot of questions coming in. Um, yeah, I can see that actually, yeah. you know. Somebody asked, is it legally allowed, Jorim has asked, is it legally allowed to ask in an interview if someone is planning to get pregnant? Oh, uh, well, uh, uh, no, it's not. I mean, uh, in India, especially, there is no legal uh, uh, thing that says that you can't ask such a question, you can ask such a question. There are no laws that talk about this. Uh, but yeah, there is the constitution which has no discrimination based on a uh, based on uh, gender, caste, creed, and all of that, right? Uh, uh, but yeah, there is no legality that prohibits somebody from asking this question. Uh, for sure not. But is it fair or not the question that you know the HR leaders and the leaders of the company have to ask themselves? Is it a fair question to ask? 
and what kind of a spot you're putting the person in because you've gone into a space that they also may not have answers to. Okay. Deepa, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Okay. Uh, Deepa, I'm just wondering, how do you balance the need for inclusivity with the need for practical business outcomes? Yeah, this is one of the biggest, biggest, biggest questions, you know, uh, that, that, that we need to be able to address, right? And I'm so glad you're bringing this up uh, because, uh, uh, you know, this is actually the game changer in my view. Uh, so, you know, a uh, uh, few things, right? First of all, it's very important, like I keep saying, that it's very important for us to make inclusivity practical for managers, right? We need to understand what dilemmas they have. We need to recognize that there is confusions they have. Uh, you know, yeah. without understanding understand. those confusions and dilemmas, we cannot put some targets and expect that they will be able to accomplish it, Right. Um, and inclusivity, honestly, uh, there is nothing called balancing between inclusivity and business outcomes, right? It is inclusivity is a mindset. If I have the mindset of inclusivity, then I will use that inclusivity as a mindset in every scenario that is there, right? But inclusivity does not mean that when I have a decision to make, I ask every single person in my team, right? There is a situation that determines whether I will ask every single person on my team because that is not inclusivity. Inclusivity is a mindset. What does inclusivity really mean? Inclusivity means that does my team have a sense of belonging? Do they feel like they are a part of a cohesive team? Do they feel like they all have a shared vision and a shared purpose, right? And this is what we have to keep driving again and again and again with the teams, right? We have to kind of remind them that we are all here together. Can the teams come up with a shared person, right? So that is what we need to really be focusing on. And if we start focusing on that, then naturally it is going to percolate into everything that we do. And the more belonged I feel, right? I mean, we see it in our families, right? In a family setup, I feel like I belong here. I'm, I'm me. I'm authentic. I'm bringing my best. I'm bringing both my arguments. I'm bringing both my best, you know, the best things I can offer, right? And if this feeling I carry with me in the workplace, not every day, maybe, but if I carry it on an average more days than not, then I am going to be engaged. I am going to be productive. Uh, and I will also have the ability to deal with conflicts knowing that this conflict is also transient. Wow. Yeah. You know, so yes. that is what I would say uh, is the need of the hour, you know, to, to drive this idea that inclusivity is not about us promoting a certain group of people. It yes. is about all of us having a shared purpose. Now, if that shared purpose de demands that I increase representation because I have no more, uh, you know, innovation happening in the team, then that is going to have a business outcome to it, right? Or if that shared purpose demands that nobody in my team should feel embarrassed about being part of a community, right? Because it is not right for somebody to feel that way then there is a business outcome attached to that. You know, so the link for me is that than anything else, really. Okay. Thank you so much for answering that and for, you know, st stressing the importance of understanding the balance between, if you could call it a balance, because you said, actually, it's not really a balance. It's a play of how you can, uh, you know, uh, it's a mindset as to how you adjust between the two, right? Correct. There are some questions coming in and I'm glad that people are so proactive today. 
the CEO or somebody is saying the CEO will deny nomination to global training programs, post-doctoral studies, hosting international conference, getting funds for sponsored research proje projects, etc. I'm not I too think, sure whether there was a I question think, before that. I think there is a pre-, uh, pre Yeah, even I'm searching for that, that pre question. Know? I can't quite find the question. Uh, do you mind just pegging your question together? Uh, Vidarthi, can you just peg your question together because it's difficult to go back and forth. In the meantime, I'll ask someone else's question. This person says in South Africa, it is not permitted by law to ask a question that discriminates in a manner that has nothing to do with the performance of the job. So I think this is in relation to the pregnancy yeah. question that yeah. somebody else asked. Correct. Correct. Uh, but unfortunately, in India, we don't have that, right? Yeah. There, there is no law to protect a person yeah. from a question from okay. these kind of questions these no. kind but yes, discrimination yes yeah discrimination yes but not the the question the about specific question about whether you're getting married whether you're pregnant you pregnant. know no not these okay. specifics yeah uh martin knight says uh, i'm bringing my best the comfort and safety that promotes that's very yeah he was just appreciating your comment of i'm bringing my best uh, so he was just uh, appreciating you for that. Uh, Deepa, what role do you see DEI playing in the overall success of an organization as we move forward? Uh, you know, we're now in 2023 and it's, there's, a, there's been a huge buzz around this for the last at least 15 months, one and a half years. And I'm just wondering, uh, how do you think this is going to play forward? Um, yeah, you know, uh, post-COVID, actually many things have changed, right? And DEI is going to be the be uh, the the pillar on which these changes are going to become uh, acceptable, and uh, you know, uh, 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 being implemented in the most appropriate manner, right? So, for example, uh, you know, uh, 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 during COVID, right, the companies who had the higher diversity and diverse teams were able to adapt much faster into the work from home culture into engaging employees while everyone was work from home and there was a whole, you know, insecurities attached to it, right? In comparison to companies who did not have so much diversity on their teams, because they did not have diversity, they were not able to come up with ideas, innovation lack, creativity was lacking, adaptability was also lacking because everybody was seeing it the same way, right? So, so it is very, very crucial that, uh, and, and I mean, COVID, COVID has taught us that DEI was the game changer. You know, organizations that had it already were able to work and bounce back faster, right? And in this scenario where hybrid work environment is becoming the norm, it is definitely accepted. People are using it. They are uh, traveling and they're working from wherever they are as long as, you know, results are being matched, right? How are you going to ensure that this group of people who are the gig workers, we call them the gig workers, right? Uh, uh, especially, you know, after COVID, what has happened is that or many of the youngsters, you know, the 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 young uh, 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 people who are coming into the workforce, they are not they are challenging this idea that you know we have to remain in the same organization forever, or even for longer durations, right? They want shorter projects, they want shorter, uh, you know, uh, uh, more challenging assignment and shorter duration, so that they can pursue other things, right? And fear of uh, uh, what life will hold for you tomorrow. COVID has created that. And yes. people want to pursue these things. How is all that going to happen when people are gig workers and they're going to be remotely working? How are you going to ensure that, you know, they still feel part of the organization? You know, DEI is the thing that is going to make them feel that, right? And uh, because then you're creating inclusivity, you're ensuring that barriers for them to participate is removed. 
so you know those kind of things are going to take place also um uh, you know um um it is it is happening already change is already taking place right and dei is the pillar that will help us create inclusivity it will help us employ uh, engage much more uh, all of those have an impact directly on productivity so yeah so these are some of the things in which dei is going to be the is going to be very very crucial oh another question just popped in as you were talking and I, i'm just wondering don't you think uh, implementing dei policies is a little bit more challenging when you have a hybrid work model because there is a certain bias to have you know the, the, there's something called as proximity bias right so there is so when people are with you uh, you know say you know in the same space visa vis somebody who is working remotely like some teams are hybrid teams like most teams are hybrid teams right so uh, how do you deal with proximity bias when it comes to dei like how would people feel more inclusive uh, you know when they are working remotely and they have some people going out for lunch together you know i'm just giving you a very broad example so don't you think it's more challenging for companies to kind of uh, build that dei culture with hybrid teams it is it is for sure it is you know it is uh, and, and and you know when you see somebody there is a different equation that you have right you're interacting with somebody on a regular basis and you're seeing this person there uh, where is somebody who's joined remotely and is continuing to work remotely there is of course that division that is going to take place personal interaction face to face interaction versus virtual interactions right and and this is where this idea of shared vision really comes in picture you know if the team leader is aware that a shared vision needs to be created you know then the shared vision is actually going to be the thing that is going to take us forward right whereas if i all of us have different things and we don't really know what the team as such is trying to accomplish you know then the division is going to be very very stark and we will not be able to engage people right so one of the things that we really do is uh, you know for leaders is that we say that you should start your meetings you know your monthly meetings or one meeting where everybody is together through an inclusion contact you know uh, some kind of an activity that you do for them to kind of get to know each other maybe or for them to understand the relevance of dei you know because then they are also speaking that language on a consistent basis uh, consistency is key avril in my opinion consistency is the only thing that is going to actually be uh the thing that is going to take it forward you know exactly you can't you can't do it today and then expect people to suddenly start changing behaviors is never going to happen we need I to be consistent yeah. and intentional about it i like the words you used uh, consistency and being intentional because i think without consistency in, you know they both go together right i mean if you're building a, a new concept you know within a team and if they're not seeing it on a regular basis it's not going to really get into the into their dna Yeah. So, and then you intentionality becomes a little bit wishy washy as to should I, shouldn't I, can I, can't I, that kind of thing. Um, I'm just looking to see. Uh, Martin has another. Uh, Martin asked another question. He says, "What are the main challenges of achieving DEI when a number?" Okay, I, I asked that question. Yeah, you, oh, yeah. Martin. Yeah, I didn't see he, your question, Martin. Yeah, he he also wrote. Oh, he she stole my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <he wrote> <laughs> oh, great people um, think alike, right? <laughs> yeah, April, April, I think I lost you again. 
Yes. All, <laughs> all of us are thinking alike because you're bringing up such relevant questions are popping up. Oh my God. Kiva, can you ask the question? Kiva, I think Arnav has asked. Yes. Yes. So Arnav is asking as a leader, how do you ensure that other team members also become inclusive of people who are feeling excluded? Yeah. Two, three things that we need to start initiating, right? As leaders, we need to definitely demonstrate, uh, you know, inclusive behaviors, right? Uh, and we need to also start becoming allies to people and community groups that are generally more excluded than some other community groups. We need to run allyship programs, allyship for LGBTQ community, for example, allyship for women, for example, allyship for persons with disabilities, you know, or even allyship for people who are introverted, you know, because there is there is this whole introversion, extroversion interplay also that takes place, right? So we need to become, we need to create allyship programs. When we're creating these allyship programs, then people will recognize that there are ways that in which they can support others. Right, and we need to be very, very fearless in stating how exclusive behaviors are taking place. A lot of times, I find that we are trying to brush that under the carpet and be not really facing it directly and saying, Okay, you know, in this case, exclusive behaviors are taking place. We need to be fearless, and then we need to also show an alternative behavior for the same situation. How can I be inclusive in the same situation? So comparison of what an excluding behavior looks like, what an inclusive behavior looks like, and the benefit of inclusivity for everybody concerned. That is one thing that, you know, uh, is, is something that needs to happen. Yeah. I really like what you said about role modeling, right? Because if you are in that position, and it's not just about the goals, right? And the outcomes that you need to get to. It's about how you're taking everybody along in order to reach the outcome that you're working towards. So yeah. I think role modeling 100%, I think, plays a huge role. I think Clifford here has uh, shared something. Uh, in the hybrid world, where a lot of folks require flexibility, managers have to be sensitive that performance is judged by outcomes and not by the hours of work spent in the office. Yeah, yeah, completely. We completely, uh, this is 100% agreed. Uh, I mean, I agree to this. And in fact, one of the work that we do is also training on working with hybrid gig workers. Not just gig workers, but hybrid uh, employees who are working uh, in the hybrid model. You know, so there is an entire sensitization that takes place on how do you really work through hybrid uh, work arrangements. Um, yeah, so in, this is one of the things we do cover. Right, right. Uh, I think Avril's internet seems uh, a bit Bad, slow. Right? Can you, can you yeah. hear me now or am I still yeah. not on? Yes. You can hear me yeah. now? Yeah, we can, we can. Okay. So the, the, there have been a lot of interesting questions and thank you, Kiva, for stepping in for me. I, I you know, the internet sometimes, technology fails, fails us sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have one last question for you, uh, Deepa. And then if anybody wants to, uh, yeah, I think someone's put a question in. Before I ask, I'll just read it out. While implementing in large organizations, what are the pitfalls that leaders should be careful about? Example, to ensure we don't cause issues for a diverse person while the existing employees aren't sensitized. Uh, yeah, so this is very, very crucial, actually, you know, about uh, uh, creating it in the right manner. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, I'm going to read this question again. What are the pitfalls that the leader should be careful about, right? Yeah. 
so many things actually you know uh, we need to ensure that uh, uh, see this is where balance comes in you know uh, uh, to me right sometimes you know after a workshop for example you know there will be a lot of emotions that the leaders will go with and they'll say oh my god you know now i, I have a person for example from the lgbtq community and i am going to make sure the team is aware about this right and that is a very very big problem you know we should not be emotional about these things right we need to make sure that you know a person does not get targeted and a person is not feeling excluded uh, you know uh, because of certain aspects right now there is also something that takes place and i call this exclusion by inclusion you know where uh, we may actually over uh, create an over visibility of a certain diversity strand that we've employed and we kind of keep talking about this person's diversity strand you know and say that oh we are an inclusive organization we've hired a woman uh, we have a diverse member in the team or we are an inclusive organization you know we have a person from the lgbtq community in the team and then we are creating uh, you know exclusion in reality because all we've done for this person is is highlight this person's diversity strand you know in which case the the uh, uh, whole idea that uh, you know inclusivity will get impacted because everybody is looking at this person first to the diversity lens and then anything else you know yep. so we call this exclusion by inclusion and uh, 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 this is uh, important that we are aware about these things right so um, you know there can be a whole lot of pitfalls but for an organization the thumb rule really uh, is that uh, you know in the need for inclusivity are you creating discomfort and exclusion of some and we should be gradual we should not be sudden and we do not want to give people shock treatments right we want to be gradual and we want to be ensuring that we are doing it in the way that is accepted so we can also take the help of the diversity strand the community itself and say what can we do to make it inclusive for you right rather than make the decision on their behalf a lot of times we do that leaders do that they will make the decision on someone else's behalf but this is not what the community may require at all so we need to enroll their support um you know in doing it and yeah i agree i don't know if it's over communication really to me just communication consistent communication is what i call it you know consistently we have to communicate and that is the only way we will move ahead and i think uh, in its truest sense like you said uh, if people are included even when there is been a breakdown and even if let's say certain plans that were thought of didn't work in the way that uh, was uh, initially uh, you know considered they do but if you include people in that decision making and very openly say that here here's a challenge we are facing and we want answers from you i think it shifts something for people right. uh, so deepa just one question for people let's say the organization the managers everybody tries their best but even after that uh, uh, the situation happens to be such that there still are people who feel excluded or not included then what are certain steps that people can do take in at an individual level in order to then move towards that inclusivity or if they feel targeted what kind of support should they seek yeah see first of all i think it's very important to recognize that inclusivity is not a, is not the end state which is going to remain you know it is it's it's a state that is dynamic there will be days i may feel included and the same person will feel included in a different excluded in a different situation right 
so that dynamic piece is what we need to un understand like today i may feel very included with all of you right doing this webinar i feel like i'm part of the team and everything but tomorrow something else may happen due to which there might be some kind of a distance that might get created right we don't know that so first of all we do not treat inclusion as as a as a state of being that we've accomplished and it's always going to remain for this person right it's dynamic today i'm feeling excluded because of certain reasons tomorrow i may feel included because of certain other reasons right so what we need to do is that we need to keep increasing those feelings of inclusion the more i am increasing those feelings of inclusion on those days where i'm feeling excluded i will also know that this is transient and i will not feel so excluded because on an average it's like you know it's like in transaction analysis right we study that you know you have those uh, i'm forgetting the term right there are certain uh, um, i'm totally forgetting it let us say that you know you are kind of collecting 100 rupees okay and you've collected 90 rupees right you're still only 10 rupees short okay um but those 10 rupees are not going to bother you today as it did yesterday because you already have 90 in your kitty you know so you collect it yeah. and you make sure that that feeling is increased on a consistent basis so that on days when people are feeling excluded it is okay it is not going to be so bad unless it's extremely derogatory in which case strong action needs to be taken yeah thank you deepa avril i don't uh, i don't think your internet is back uh, so before we close out we are almost towards the end of the webinar uh, i think there are few comments here on the chat box vanita has shared uh, i feel every organization needs a d and yes yes avril Uh, Avril, could you uh, try and say something now? No, I think uh, there's yeah, still a problem. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we have a comment here. I feel every organization needs a DEI manager. Uh, Deepa, can you hear me? And breathe. I, I, I think I am saying. Yeah, there's a lag. <laughs> okay, Avril, we'll we'll give you we'll give a couple of seconds. Yeah, we were we keep hearing you in an in an uh, on and off rather. That's a pity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Arnav is saying consistently increase the feeling of inclusion. That's the take-home point for me today. Wonderful. Glad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would actually be lovely to also hear from other participants on any key takeaway for you from today's session or any final questions. Uh, I can see Avril is back. I think, uh, but would love to hear. Venkat has written DEI must originate and work from top in any organization. What do you think about that, Deepa? Can can it be bottom up? Um. Uh, yeah, it can be. Uh, for sure, right? So somebody may have started it, okay, but sustenance will happen only if it is also top driven. Um, uh, yeah. you know, because I may start the intervention, I may start an ERG group, but in order to sustain, I need the top management to be able to, you know, uh, uh take it forward. Yeah. 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 Amrita says the DEI accountability lies as much as as much with me as with the organization. I think wonderfully shared. Uh, I think it's only when individuals come together, I think things align for everybody. DEI is all about leading by example. Starts from the top. 
Wonderful. So any closing thoughts, Deepa, for our uh, uh, participants who've joined us today? Any Anything that you think will add value to them, maybe as leaders or as people who are parts of teams? Uh, yeah, um, just one closing thought is that, uh, you know, this is a subject, this is, a, this is an intervention that is going to give us results over a period of time. You know, uh, a lot of times I find that, uh, you know, there is an expectation that, you know, today I do some intervention and tomorrow it is going to have a result, right? We, because we want to see results. But the results of this is going to be felt and experienced over a period of time. So do not be in a rush to see that result tomorrow. Because if we fall into that trap, chances are that we will give up on the DEI interventions, you know, without allowing it to be embedded in the organization and for us to start feeling the cultural change about this in the organization. So we need to be patient, we need to be gradual, we need to be consistent. Only then it is going to sustain itself. If I am not any of those, then it is going to run into problems even before the baby has been able to walk. Beautifully shared, Deepa. And I think, like you said a while back, uh, in the process of creating inclusivity uh, for all, let's not have some people getting excluded uh, on the way. And I think consistency and patience definitely seems like the way forward. So this was an extremely, extremely enriching and thought-provoking conversation, Deepa. I wish Avril could have joined us right now, but her internet, I think, has given up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm glad I got a chance to interact with you as well. And same, same. Uh, I think it was lovely to see all the comments and the questions from the participants. Uh, I think this is a topic that needs conversations, that needs more and more circles to actually discuss and learn more about uh, DEI in order to take it to their workplaces and their teams. Uh, Avril, are you back here with us? Oh, I think I'm back, but for some reason, no one can hear me. <laughs> we can hear you now. <laughs> we can, yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> okay, thank, thank you so much, Kiba. And please continue. You, you, you did a great job. Uh, <laughs> so we were just closing out, Avril, and I think we've heard a lot of lovely comments from the participants. And I think Deepa has been wonderful in helping us to become aware of this uh, topic and the importance that it holds within teams, within organizations and what's the best way forward. So I just want to thank Deepa for her time. I really, really Pleasure. appreciate you joining us today. And to you as well, Avril, uh, even though we lost you in certain parts towards the end, but I think uh, for majority of the parts, we, we, could, we could enjoy the conversation with you. Yeah. So as we are closing out today, uh, I want to also tell all our participants that we have a lot of uh, courses lined up for you, coaching foundation courses. We also have a mastery course in June with Cindy uh, Muthukarappan, our program director. So if you are interested in any of these courses, you can connect with us. You can write to us at contact at kocharya.com. Yamini has shared a link uh, to these courses and uh, we hope to hear from you. And once again, thank you so much, Deepa, for your time. And thanks, and, thanks a lot, Avril. Thank you, Deepa. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you so much. It really was such a wonderful conversation. I mean, the questions, you know, very, very targeted. And I mean, I really have enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thank you, Avril, for inviting me, for hosting it. Kiva, I very think you kind of beautifully, kind of seamlessly managed it. I think it was a fun, wonderful conversation. And thank you to all the participants. You know, I mean, I really have enjoyed reading your comments and trying to uh, answer your questions.